Single simulcast episode 186. I know you're like, didn't this nigga just do one yesterday where he was talking about Bill Wonka killing everybody? And yes, yes, we did. But guess who's back? That's what happens when there's no basketball and it's summertime. And I'm fortunate enough to be joined by good people. Um, let's just call this the summer of love. This summer, I'm going to try my hardest to have everybody on the podcast that, show, that that I just love to talk to, just love having on, love laughing with, loving have deep conversations with them. We're going to try and do that all summer long. And to kick off the summer of love here on Single Simulcast, um, we have Miss Leslie Mack from the Ferguson Response Network and the Interracial John. Leslie tell them something i know you were just on recently but it feels like it was forever ago tell them something about yourself that's right that's right you well you can find me and uh my other half a very white guy on the interracial john podcast uh it's a weekly podcast you can find us on itunes or stitcher just search interracial john that's j-a-w-n or go to interracialjohn.com i also run the ferguson response network and you can just search ferguson response for that podcast or if you're looking for black lives matter actions in your area go to fergusonresponse.tumblr.com and tell them something really quick while we have a chance about the movement for black lives convening which is happening july 24th through 26th Absolutely. So we are calling for um, all able-bodied and interested black people in the country to converge on Cleveland the weekend of July 24th to 26th to gather, um, to build together, to heal together, to plan um, strategically with each other and share information and take uh, a cohesive message back to our respective areas. It's going to really be something special um, and I'm really looking forward to it. So you can go to um, movementforblacklives.org or you can um, search on uh, Instagram or on Twitter M4BL uh, is the, um, the hashtag that we're using. You know, I just want to say this and, and I don't know how to say it without it sounding like I'm trying to make a joke, but I'm really not. Y'all find more good website names in a little bit. <laughs> like... I would like half the stuff y'all come up with for website names. I'm like, how isn't that already taken? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's I, I think that a lot as well. Like you would have thought the movement for black lives would have been taken a long time ago. Cause trust me, white people, we've seen some shit and it's just still here. So I'm just like, that's awesome. So remember that is movementforblacklives.org for the movement for black lives, which is convening in Cleveland, Ohio, July 24th through 26th. Yes, and we're going to have a lot that we're doing with the local um, Cleveland community. Um, it's really going to be something special. Now, um, yesterday, like I said, I did a show where I was talking about Willy Wonka, and I felt like I had gone a little bit too far um, because I said he was a mass murderer, and I still mean <laughs> it. Bill Wonka. It's true, though. That's true. Bill Wonka is a killer, and I'm just, just talking about diabetes. And I decided that today um, we would talk about a few different things before we got into the real crux of the conversation, which is sure. McKinney, Texas. Yeah. Um, so before we get into that, there were a few things that I came across today that just kind of 
cracked me up. Now, um, the homies, John and Molly, uh, from the Pennyman Doctrine podcast, Black Pack, first of all, y'all, jetbag niggas, um, <laughs> check out William and Phoenix with the, uh, Father Teresa Wine Cellar Podcast. Check out uh, the Southern Sweet Tea Podcast. Uh, check out my homeboy Nick with the Indian Production Podcast. Because, yes, black and red, we stick together. Um, check out Ricky and Sherelle with the Americans United Again Podcast. Check them out with AUA Hope. Ricky is on with Leslie on the Ferguson Response Network podcast. Um, and then, like I said, John and Molly with the Peniman Doctrine. Check out Leslie and Drew. There's a lot of us. That's why yes. it's just enough to be a gang. Check out <laughs> Leslie and Drew on the Interracial John podcast. Check out Mike and Kim on the Something in Common podcast. And, hey, I'm still with the single simulcast. That's Black Pack. Check us out, niggas. Um, but... I was going through the internets today, and I heard about this. It could be one of sex's final frontiers. In what may be a world first, Toronto is to host an accessible orgy for disabled people, reports the Toronto Sun. The, quote, deliciously disabled sex night will take place in a theater in the Canadian city. The capacity for the evening is 125 and is open to disabled and able-bodied people. Entrance costs $20, even though caretakers can get in for free, and there will be an interpreter for the deaf and space for 20 wheelchairs. The orgy is the X-rated idea of dis disability awareness consultant Stella Pellerova. The 35-year-old said she thought of the orgy after becoming increasingly fed up with people assuming there must be something wrong with her libido just because she's in a wheelchair as she has spinal muscle atrophy. And also because those who organize orgies do not cater for the disabled, she said. Quote, the naysayers are just subconsciously hating the fact that people in wheelchairs are great at having sex. Having sex, having better sex than a lot of people are having, she told the son. By making this party accessible, we are saying openly that people with disabilities are sexual beings, and not only in more conventional ways. Fellow organizer Andrew Morrison Gerza was more candid. A wheelchair can become just a big sex toy. The orgy will take place on August 14th, at the same time Toronto is hosting the Parapan Am Games. Oh, so they, they, they're piggybacking a little bit here. Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to get everybody in the world together for this uh, orgy. Orgy. So well, I'm all wanted, for it. Huh? I'm all for it. I think it's a good thing. I think it is, too. I think everybody should roll out and check it out. <laughs> they should. They should. I think there was, like, a movie about that, about sex surrogates. Not about an orgy, but about, um, you know, being disabled and, and the issues that you have to confront um, sexually on account of that. And I actually saw... I don't know if you've ever been to one of these like story slam things where people come up and they tell like five minute stories and the audience votes to say who had the best story and they have a theme usually. So I went to see one uh, called Risk and it was about, you know, a risk that people took. And one woman got up, she was in a wheelchair, but she wasn't always in a wheelchair. She actually got in an accident in between her freshman and sophomore year in college. And, um, it took a lot to get her back to college and, you know, she had somebody that she lived with and it was like a whole big thing and, and her friends, she were her friends again and everything was on track and then she realized that, you know, she kind of had to adjust 
to what that meant for her sexually and her sexual development. And she told this beautiful story uh, about uh, a man that she um, slept with in college and kind of all of the idiosyncrasies of it, like, you know, her roommate helping her get ready in bed and him being so nice about it and, and caring for her and how much it meant to her. And it kind of like jump started this whole other side of her life that she thought um, maybe was not going to be possible for her anymore. So I think it's cool. And that's what I was thinking about. It, it, it's funny to me because I'm able not feel badly for saying it's funny. But when I saw that the, the title, I laughed and I thought about it. How important it is for uh, folks who are disabled to still feel wanted and attractive. Um, because it, it's very easy for somebody in that sort of situation to fall into a hole of depression and think that they are no longer um, desirable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So to have this opportunity, um, it's a big undertaking. I mean, it's 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 the thing that I like most about it isn't just that they're calling it a straight out orgy. Um, not just the fact that he's saying that a wheelchair can be a wonderful sex toy, um, which I have ideas. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the fact that they're inviting uh, people who aren't disabled to join in. Like, I think that, that would not only uh, help the, the, the confidence and the mindset of the folks who are disabled, it would also help uh, eliminate some stigmas of the able-bodied people who would attend because they might go out there thinking it was a joker on a larker on a humbug or something like that and really meet somebody who would turn them out and yeah. really just uh, change their entire life. Maybe find love there. Who knows? Yeah, totally. It'd blow their minds. Yeah, for so sure. I'm looking at it. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to lie. It, it, was, it was funny. That's why I picked it because I thought it was funny. But it, it, on top of it being funny, it's actually a good chance for people who may have never had another opportunity to meet people. This could be not just an orgy. It could be a simple mixer. Um, right. Because I'm quite sure that not everybody who's going there will be DTF. They might right. just be down to party and they might meet somebody and go from there. So that's a, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Definitely. Um, now, like I said earlier, John and Molly from the Penniman Doctrine, um, we're supposed to be on. They may be on later on, but right now the Cavs are playing and they live in Cleveland. So they're watching the game. Yes. Um, I don't have a dog in a fight because I'm a Laker fan. Um, the Cavs are winning. I'm not just saying that because, you know, I'm not a Warriors fan. I, I got respect for the Warriors. They've sucked for a long time. They deserve, they deserve to be in the finals. But the Cavs have sucked for a long time. Longer time. Yeah, so <laughs> they deserve to be anywhere. Um, and plus, so many people hate LeBron James. It's always just funny to me. To it see. is funny. The hate is so real. It is. It's crazy. And it's like, why... It's so weird. Why Why do you hate him? I was thinking about LeBron James earlier today. Like, his, the game that he played on, I want to say that was Sunday. Sunday. Um, was it Sunday? Yeah, it was Sunday. Had to make sure. Um, the game he played on Sunday, he scored a triple-double, like 34 points, 16 rebounds, and 11 assists. And that's when I realized that LeBron James is actually a video game character. <laughs> um, LeBron James, to those of y'all who have played or know me, know that I play NBA 2K15. And 
in 2K15, you can create a player. And when you create a player, you can, um, as the as the seasons go on, you can improve your player uh, from a rookie scrub into like a super duper superstar who can do everything on the court, like dunk and hit threes and make great assists and play defense and all of that. And right now I'm playing a season where I just finished winning the championship in one town and then I decided to go back home to Sacramento so I can win a championship for the home city. And that's when I realized, you know what, LeBron James is God's my career mode player. (laughs) Um, he's going to go back home to Cleveland. He's going to win a championship. It's going to be crazy. Everybody's going to lose their mind. And he's ranked so much higher than everybody else as far as stats that it's just not fair anymore. Like, we thought thought Steph Curry had it. And then LeBron was like, nah, let me go ahead and level up a few more things real quick. And now it's just, like, out of this world insane. That kid is a beast. He really, truly is. I, I it's so weird with, for to me when people heat on him because I now I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. Usually people hate people because they're dicks, like in real life. And I, I just it's such a strange thing. He seems like a nice person. He never is like as holy to people. They don't like him because he's good. Like I can't quite figure it out. It's very hard to unpack for me. It seems like a lot of just like. I don't even know what to say about it. At first, when when he first left and went over to Miami, I thought it was a bunch of white people who were just mad about him leaving Cleveland. But now he's back in Cleveland, and people who were hating him before are still hating him. And I'm like, they're still mad. Now it doesn't make sense anymore. No, it doesn't. Like, I understand the Kobe hate on a level, because he kind of is a dick, and he's been a dick in, like, interviews, and he's, you know, treated people not great sometimes. And he's a Jordan biter. Yeah, like, I could see, like, to me, I could see you being like, you know, I don't like the way he is. I, I just don't under, I don't get it with, with um, LeBron. I don't understand it at all. He and seems I, like a, he seems like a super loyal person. He seems like he's got a good team around him. It's, it's I mean, strange. I know he loves his kids. He's, he's everywhere with them. So no, no clue. No it's clue weird. whatsoever. Yeah. Drew says it was the decision, but I don't. I don't think that that's why people hate him now. I don't. Exactly. I, it goes well beyond that. Exactly to me. because the it's, decision's already over. Right. You know that that whole part is already faded into the sands of time. Like if the way I look at it is, LeBron broke up with his girl, got with somebody else, realized that he still loved his girl, came back to his girl. And his girl's parents are still mad. That's that's what this seems like to me. Like, he came back. He came back to Cleveland. So everybody in Cleveland should no longer be mad anymore. And that was, even when he left and went to Miami, the only people who should have been mad were people in Cleveland. Right. Like, why does anybody else care? Why did the rest of you give a crap? It's exactly. weird. He ain't fucking you. He ain't fucking you over. So why do you care? And I, I just... I don't know. I, you you never see this sort of anger. I'm just going to put it like this. People weren't this mad, I don't think, when Roger Clemens left the uh, Boston Red Sox to go to the Yankees. I don't remember people being that upset. I just think that there's this ownership that people put upon basketball players because they're black. It must be, because I don't understand it. Because I, But I also feel like, to me, it's pretty obvious that no one's going to stay with the same team for their whole career. It never happens anymore. 
it just is such an anomaly in this day and age, no matter what sport we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So to be upset that somebody left the team, it just doesn't even make any sense. Like, would you think he was going to die there? I mean, he might not stay there past two more years. Who if, knows? If he wins a championship this first go around, he's gone. <laughs> I'm, so I'm, my mindset is he came back to Cleveland to win a championship. But let's be honest, nobody wants to live in Cleveland. It's cold in the winter and it's it's desolate. And the people, there's nice people, there's horrible people, and then there's horrible people who want to just kill black people for no reason. And that's not a good place to raise a black family in. I wouldn't want to raise a, uh, I'm, I'm just being honest, I wouldn't want to live in a city where a black person got killed by cops. That's every city. I know, but what I'm saying is like 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 Cleveland and, and New York and you're right. But I'm saying once I have confirmed that a cop has killed an unarmed black male or or female or lady, I don't want to live there because now I'm scared that my family could be next. Oh, you you shot him in South Carolina? Oh, oh, he got shot in Oklahoma City? Oh, he got shot in Utah, and I'm just checking off all these states. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to go very many places, though. I don't care. Stay here in California, if, at least. If here. they haven't, it just means they don't have any black people there. Just saying. Yeah, but if they don't have any black people there, then I'll get fucked up like they did in McKinney. You really mm. can't win this conversation. No, you can't. Lamentably. But... Supremacy sucks. <laughs> but... Like I was saying before, the uh, homies Molly and John have a GoFundMe that they are running, which is literally a GoFundMe to pay their salaries as podcasters. Um, they do their podcast for free, as many of us do, and they have set up a GoFundMe for a stipend that will help them to keep going uh, through the next month. And then the month after that, I'm expecting that they'll do another GoFundMe for another salary. Um, so go ahead and check them out on GoFundMe. They'll, if they come on later on, they could tell you more about it. But if not, then I hope the Cavs won. Otherwise, y'all wasted your time. You should have been on the show. Um, <laughs> but while I was looking at their GoFundMe, I saw some other GoFundMes. Did you know? Yeah. You know, there's some good GoFundMes, and then there's some bad GoFundMes, like the ones for, like, Darren Wilson and, and cops who kill black people and go on administrative leave, and, and the people who uh, do white uh, white Pride Day and White History Month, and then they go on a hiding and put up GoFundMes to pay for them to run away like that dummy in Arizona who... Uh, tried to protest in front of a mosque and then uh, wanted to put up a GoFundMe so him and his family could go into hiding. Actually, I think he posted the GoFundMe before he even protested. He did. Well, he had already done that um, Draw Muhammad contest. So he did that a couple of, I guess it was like a month and a half ago. And then that that shooting happened. um, And uh, then he staged this second protest. Oh, armed protest, excuse me. Um, I wouldn't even call it a protest. I don't know what I would call it. A, a militia a militia meeting? I don't even know. An unspoken uh, threat? Yeah, um, outside of the, a mosque while families were inside praying. Um, so I think he already thought people were after him. Which is ironic since he was outside threatening people, but whatever. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> but like I said, there's the good ones. Like, one of my friends... Um, 
set up a GoFundMe. So then one of his students who uh, had just stopped living on the street, single mother, great student, uh, he did a GoFundMe so then he could purchase her an iMac and a printer. Uh, oh, that's because, nice. Yeah, it was really nice. It was, it was really, really sweet. Uh, he videotaped her because she didn't even know. So when he gave her the uh, iMac and the printer, he had a camera set up. So then everybody who donated could see the video of her uh, surprise and tears and everything. It was really touching. Um, and then there's the bad ones like the cops. And then there's the dumb ones like this. <clears throat> GoFundMe.com. Give me money for Pringles and Arby's. Right now, he has raised $35 worth of $250,000. And the reasoning is life is hard when you want things but don't have them. And you ask God, but he's like, quote, nice swag, pussy. And you can totally tell he's just being sarcastic. Give me some of your money, and I'll live our dream of a better tomorrow for both of us. But I'll do that shit today, which is better because that's way sooner. Unleash the flow, tricks. And he's made $35. And this is the kind of stuff that makes me think that I need to start doing GoFundMe. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do some sort of a crowdsourcing for Ferguson Response um, sometime this summer. I'm still putting together what platform I want to use. I don't know if it's going to be GoFundMe, maybe CrowdRise or um, Patreon. I don't know. I'm going to use one of them to um, for, get some stuff done for, for the network that I want to get finished um, and completed, some development work and things like that, and so a couple of tools I want to put on. Um, but I have seen some cool ones. Um, Sherelle Brown, uh, Awkward Duck on, on Twitter, she has a crowd rise going right now for her graduate school. She got accepted into the um, Birkbeck University's fall graduate class to study culture, diaspora, and ethnicity. And um, it's in the UK. And so she has uh, a crowd rise help Rel to help her finance her, her, um, her graduate school. So it's pretty cool. I like stuff like that. It's yeah. nice to be able to support people when they're doing cool things. And I know um, that I know um, one young lady named Nicole uh, Miss Nerdy Nikki on Twitter who did a uh, GoFundMe to raise money so then she could go to London um, and work on. She was doing a thesis to find out uh, more about the spread of AIDS of blacks in London. Um, Ooh, nice for her medical degree. So, I mean, there's good ones. There are great reasons for GoFundMe's, but you know what? This ain't one of them. GoFundMe.com. I am affected by a bald patch. Mm. Hello, my friends. I first noticed it in a liquor store security monitor. What appeared to be a glowing light on top of my head. In the beginning, I thought it was just a trick of the camera. But eventually, I came to realize that I had a bald spot on the top of my head. You've heard of, quote, the silent killer? Well, MPB is the silent shamer. No pattern baldness. I know that money can't buy happiness and that most hair replacement deals are a scam. But maybe a really good toupee will elevate my self-esteem. Or maybe just a fancy hat. And so far, he's raised zero of $5,000. Yeah, I think that's probably where it's going to stay. 
Just guessing. I'm guessing. And then this one. Sweeney's Bad Life Choices Fund. Hi, my name is Carrie Sweeney and I've made some poor life choices. Instead of feeling any sense of responsibility or regret, YOLO, I feel entitled to ask others for money to mitigate the disastrous consequences of my own incompetence and lack of personal responsibility. The money will be spent on a variety of irresponsible purchases that will be directly in proportion to my my actual needs. So, let's say I didn't pay my electric bill this month. My power's about to get shut off. I will then take money from this fund and go buy a new guitar. Or maybe blow a large sum on the local strip joint. Lap dance for all my friends. Why should I have to suffer the consequences of my own poor decision making? And with this fund, I won't have to. Please, won't you give a little something? Mm. How much has he raised? Zero. But he's asking Mm. for $50,000. At least he's honest, though. You got to respect that. Yeah. I mean... I'm not giving any money to him, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) I won't be donating, but, um, you know... I'm not going to go find him. No. No. Mm -mm. I'm I'm pretty confident. Yeah, but the one for the um, bald spot, I I think I might. You going to throw in on that one? I think I might. I understand bald spot. (laughs) I understand that one. I think that um, I think that I think that that needs to be taken care of. And if he help, if I help him out, maybe he'll help me out after it's all said and done. Maybe so. Dudes are so sensitive about their hairline. That's true, though. Speaking of LeBron, it's not. Yeah, LeBron. <laughs> that's what it hit out a few days ago too. So <laughs> that was even worse. I'm not sensitive about my bald spot. I just, I'm too lazy to want to consistently shave it. Mm. Like, that's a lot of work when you don't want to do it. Yeah, very white guy. He's super tall, so he gets away with it. And then he'll see a picture, like, from the wrong angle, and he's like, wait a second. Which I find fun. I got snuck up on by a little kid at, at, at Kid Awesome School. And, um... He was like, you're bald. And I was like, you punk bitch. They're so harsh. Like, I didn't even mean to say it out loud, but I think I might have called the little kid a punk bitch, but he had already ran off, and I was whispering. <laughs> but um, it just hurt. It hurt bad. Like, I know I'm bald, but... You don't got to say it? Exactly. It's a secret for everybody else. Like, I don't even know if Kid Awesome knew I was bald until that little punk kid said, and then he was like, Daddy, you're... you're your balls, man, and I was like, "Yeah, dog." <laughs> and then it got real awkward. <laughs> he kept trying to sneak up behind me and look at my hair and stuff. Oh no! It wasn't official. You know what? Fuck this shit. Go fund me getting my hair did. <laughs> like, like I'm gonna do a GoFundMe to get a weave, and I don't know if that's possible because you need to have hair to attach the weave to. They might be able to work something out. I've seen it with um, beard, beard weaves, so I'm figuring they could do something with whatever's going on. Batman Wild, spin the beat. This single sign will carry. Fuckin' with other niggas!
your back. We got your back, kid. Just don't be fighting more than guns. All right, man. Pistol grip. Teresa's Wine Cellar, and you're listening to the single simulcast.
Single Simulcast episode 186, Fat Man Wild, Rashani, Miss Leslie. Let's do that again. Ladies first, Leslie Mack. <laughs> Fat Man Wild and Rashani. And um Yeah. I yesterday I talked about a couple things and, and I actually I want to apologize to my headset because I got so mad I threw my headset down and broke it. Mm. Um and you know what? It was one of those things where you walk away from the headset, you walk away from the uh, show, and you realize you still had more to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was fortunate enough, Miss Leslie was like, yo, I'm out and about moving, but I still want to talk about this. Who's down? And I was like, yo, I'm in. Um, I, I, well, thank you, first of all, for answering my call. It's been tough. I think, you know... As podcasters, we get used to having a platform to kind of say what we're thinking about stuff. And I've been, you know, we're moving and the the show's packed up and we're not going to be recording this week, which is, I think, the first time since we started recording it, we we won't be recording within seven days. So I was just like, oh, my God, i got to talk about this somewhere. Somebody help me. So you're helping me. Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. And you know what? Some of the things that I've noticed um, since yesterday, like this happened on... Friday. Yeah. Um, it was on Twitter on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, on Sunday, people were still talking about it. And I was at basketball tournaments all weekend, so I didn't see it till yesterday. And uh, talked about it yesterday. And today, uh, the young lady, uh, Tatiana Rose, she was a 19-year-old who, for those of y'all who don't know what happened, an end-of-school-year party was done in a uh, community pool in McKinney, Texas. And um, I think the name of the neighborhood that it was in was Curtis Ranch. Yeah. Um, and a lot of kids showed up, like 70 to 80 kids showed up to this pool party, which you would expect if it's advertised, which it was, um, and they were having a good time. The party was to go from like uh, 4.30 until 10.30, something of that nature. Um, and people who lived in the neighborhood, which the neighborhood is 79% white and 11% black, or the city, I'm sorry, is 79% white and 11% black, which means that the neighborhood is even more sparsely black. Yeah. Um, people in the neighborhood felt that it was their duty to go and talk to these kids at this party um, and tell them such things like, oh, I love your hair. Can I touch it? Oh, your bikini looks so nice. I'm fucking kidding you. They felt the need to go and tell these kids they were Section 8 kids and that they shouldn't be at their pool in their community and that they should go back home to Section 8. Then they started saying racial slurs about the kids. And you know what? I'm just going to straight from the source. Let's do this. Two, one, skip this shit. Okay, let's go. Yeah, so basically what happened was me and my sister and a few friends made a cookout. And um, I basically, to sum it up, when I went to go get my keypad from someone, this 
slaves, to racial slurs, to some friends that came to the cookout. What kind of slurs was she saying? She was she was saying things such as black effort, and that's why you live in Section 8 home. There's also a male that was saying uh, rude things, and this 14-year-old girl named Grace, which is my brother's friend, stood up for us saying that's not right, shouldn't do that, that's racist. And things like that. So then they started um, verbally abusing her, saying that she needs to do better for herself, be better for herself, cursing at her. And I'm saying, no, that's wrong. She's 14. You should not say things like that to a 14-year-old. And they're like, um, well, you need to go back where you're from and things like that, telling me... Um, I need to go back to my Section 8 home and stuff like that. So um, I said, excuse me, and then the other lady, her name's Kate, came up to me and she smacked me in my face. She actually that was like, Kate White, Black. Kate, called Kate. Okay. And she went and she hit me in my face, and that's when both of the women attacked me. Okay, and just for clarity, you live in the Yes, I live in Crater. Like most of the people that attacked you, they also live in Yes. Okay. And mom, do you want to say anything? Can you just say your I'm, name for me? My name is Lashana Burks. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm just upset that we couldn't have a peaceful And if there was any issues that they truly had, they should have came to me, the adult that is here at the right, event, right. and said, hey, you know, we don't want the kids, whatever. Then let me handle it and not go to that extreme. Right. And most of the kids here were like classmates with them that were invited to see that nature so like in the area. Right. So it was, you know, folks So <clears throat> as you heard, um Tatiana Rose uh, threw this party with her sister. Um white people showed up and decided that it was their need. They had a extreme need to tell these little kids ages 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 had the extreme desire to tell these little kids that they were effing anything. Like, go back to section 8, all of these slurs to little kids. You know what, Leslie? You've been waiting. Go for it. You know, I, I tweeted yesterday that so many of our police encounters starts with a quote-unquote concerned white citizen. And this is no different. Um, it's just the entire situation that started with two white women assaulting a 19-year-old black girl, and yet the cops were called on these children that were going to this party. You know, this is not the first time we've seen uh, public spaces and especially pools and waterways and things like that be a point of confrontation between races. It's it's uh, our history is fraught with them in this country. So on one hand, I'm not surprised. I also would take note that McKinney was voted, I think, the number one place to live in the country by Time magazine last year. And I find that interesting as well. It shows that, you know, supremacy has privileges um, and this idea of uh, protecting the whiteness of this area has seeped into the, the, the very structures of how they interact with black people there. Um, so, you know, listening to the, the original, the start of this situation is infuriating in and of itself. And where it goes from there, it just, 
honestly, I don't, I know what I want to say, but I don't want to get too crazy. I'm trying to like really channel myself into a lane where I can speak intelligently because it's so infuriating to see. I had talked a few weeks ago, I think it was even last week about, um, in Ohio, Hamilton County, Ohio, um, a young, a young boy, he was 13 years old. He was just off school. His school ended on Thursday. Friday was his first day of summer vacation. He went out on a, for a ride to go to his friend's house and the police put their lights on, pulled him over, got him off of his bike, literally as if he had done something. What are you doing here? We don't recognize you. He was on his block. On his block. One of his mother's white friends happened to be driving by and pulled over and was like, why are you talking to this boy? He's on his bike. His he was so upset, he called his mother, just completely decimated. He refused to leave the house, frightened, out of his mind. Because here, 13 years old, he now has no innocence left. And his sense of self is irreparably damaged in these moments. And it's the same thing when you see the cops' interaction with these young people at this pool party. I don't even know what to say about how egregious it is on so many different levels. The fact that so many adults were just standing around and watching this occur is disturbing to me on such a high level. I don't even know what to say. I saw a black man was just standing there watching this. Yep. Watching, like it was nothing. Like it was, this was totally fine. The brutality with which this was going on. This one cop, I, I mean, he might've been on speed or something. I've never seen anything like it in my life. He just was running around grabbing black kids. There was a point in the video where he's talking to a kid that's a black kid that he stopped. And the the white kid that's filming the video is clearly friends with all of these kids. You can hear it. He knows all their names. They know his name. They're talking to him actively. Okay, so they all came to this party together. They, They all know each other. They're all classmates. They all came and answered the same call to this, go to this party. The only difference between them is their skin color in this scenario. And the black kid is told to sit there and he says, officer, I can't find my bag. I don't give a shit. That's not my problem. You sit there and you don't move. And the white kid filming goes, what color is your bag? And he says, it's blue. He goes, oh, I know, I know where it is. I'll get it. And he goes to get it. It's like, it's such a small piece of the video, but it's so stark and telling. They, there's no difference between these two boys except for that one of them is white and one of them is black. They came to the same party. They're the same age. They pose the same non-threat to this entire, certainly to this pool, and most definitely to this officer. And one of them wanted to get their bag, and he couldn't even get up to get it. But the other one was able to go and do whatever he wanted to do. There goes that video. They're giving him a flashlight. No, 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 it wasn't his. It wasn't- before we get to this part with the flashlight, I, I, as, I, as I said before, I want you to really listen to the way that the cop is talking to the first group of kids and the way that he talks when they say, here's your flashlight. One of these people in this group is white. I want you to think about who it is that he's talking to. It was his. It was his. Don't, don't take off rolling the cops in here. What's up, man? Oh, thank you. It was, it was that guy. One of these cops. Okay, guys, I appreciate it. None of them were involved. Okay, that's what I'm saying. It was this guy. It was that guy. Get on the ground. I told you to stay. Get your ass down on the ground. Stay like he's a dog. I told you to stay. 
Did you hear the the, the young man? The, the heartbreaking thing to me, there were a few heartbreaking ones. There's a lot of heartbreaking things. The young lady who got pulled down by her hair. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Um, heartbreaking on so many levels in that moment because the thing is, when he pulled her by her hair, she was sitting on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then he pulled her hair a second time to push her face into the ground. She was already immobile and not moving. And the reason why he went up to do anything to her, his first phrase he used in reference to her was, quit running your mouth. That's what he said to this 14-year-old girl standing in a bikini at a pool party. Quit running your mouth or you're going to get some too. And then he assaults her while these adults stand around and watch and children jump into the fray to try and save her from this man who is literally just assaulting her right there. She starts off saying, call my mother, call my mother. And he grabs her and throws her to the ground a second time. She's asserting her rights. And that is what he responded to. That was what he needed to to assert himself into. Was, no, you're not going to say that. Quit running your mouth. Don't talk to me like that. You're going to do what I told you to do. Yeah. Sit your ass on the ground. Don't get up. Don't move. You stay. Meanwhile, the young black kids are so bewildered they're bewildered they don't even know what's going on they don't know what caused it i mean i don't know if you heard that oh i heard that when and you hear them go they start off as officer sir mister they don't know what to even say to this person to be like dude i'm just a 13 year old kid i'm sitting here in shorts with a freaking gym bag and a towel in it i just came to a birthday party Why is he acting so crazy? You hear the kids say that. What is going on? Why is he acting so crazy? In reference to the police officer, why is he acting so crazy? I also mentioned that the original call that was placed, one cop car came. And the children saw the cop car and they started running. And as soon as they started running, the call went out. They're all running. You need, you need 10 more cars here. 11 police cars came to this party to deal with these black people. Now, I just want to stop and say that, um, fuck the, the, the adults. I don't think we say that enough. Fuck the adults in this situation. And I'm not talking about that cop, because that cop is I don't, an, an animal. I don't, I don't know what to call him. I'm talking about the white dad and the black guy who both showed up out of nowhere. But the white dad in the beige... Who is that dude? I don't know. I still, nobody knows who the fuck this guy is. He touched these children. He had his genitals on the back of this girl's head. Mm-hmm. Who is this person? That thinks he has the right to touch people's children. Who is he? Nobody knows. And I know Anonymous has uh, put out a reward for him. They put out a bounty for his name, but nobody knows. None. 
and you know he ain't saying and you know the neighborhood ain't gonna speak up because even the black folks in the neighborhood are like this is a good neighborhood which shout out to phoenix who mentioned this to me of course he's gonna say this is a good neighborhood when he's one of the only black people in a in a community where they just fucking rioted over or just trampled over the rights of all these young black kids Yep. What am I going to do? Stand there and say, nah, this is a fucked up community, dog. And then all of a sudden, there's a burning cross on my lawn. Exactly. I thought about that. At first, I was upset that he did that. And then I was like, you know what? Phoenix really broke it down. She was like, you know what? He's in dangerous ground. He could have said nothing, though. Let's not get it twisted. That he could have just true. shut the. He could have chose to shut the fuck up and just go to his house and not say a goddamn thing. He Very true. That. And I posted on Facebook. This is what I saw. Be honest. He didn't even have to do that. I mean, if he's really that concerned, he could have done lots of things anonymously, like dealt directly with these people. They are in his fucking neighborhood. They do live where he lives, including the people that hosted the party. And nobody even needs to know his fucking name. Nobody needs to know who he was. So I I, I do hear you that if, if asked, what else is he going to say? No comment. Yeah. I don't have nothing to say. I mind my business. You should mind yours too. My name is Bennett. That's all he had to say. And honestly, it would have spoke volumes. They, nobody would have retaliated against him. But to me, it would have been a signal like, okay, I got you, dude. Mm-hmm. I got you. All right. Wink twice. Wink twice that this city is fucked up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But no so, comment, huh? I got you now. Uh, I got yeah, you. I, I got you. I got yep. you. Intricate handshake that the white folks don't understand. He just mushed this young lady into the grass on your face. Now, she was already sitting. That's where she says, call my mama. He just hit me for no reason. Call my mama right now. Yeah. He hit me for no reason. And then he, she's sitting. She's not running. She's not even standing up. She poses no threat. She is not trying to flee. She is not moving. She is not moving. So I don't know where, why she needs to put anything anywhere else. People wonder why there's a distrust of cops. And we tell them it starts at a very young age. This is one of the reasons why. I mean, but it wasn't just... Here's the thing. This isn't just affecting the black kids. That young white kid that videotaped this whole thing, I'm sure his faith in cops is quite shaken right now. Absolutely. You can hear when he was talking about it. He said, they just started running after all the black kids. It was like I was invisible. That's a direct quote from him. You can hear the realization in his voice that he was like, holy shit, this is completely fucked up. This is ridiculous. And it's crazy. Did you get to the part where he pulled his gun yet? Yeah. So he just pulled his gun out. And I, I like to stop at this point because, as I said before, none of the adults came to the rescue or to the aid of these young people. But when this police officer assaults this young lady, 14-year-old girl again, 14 years old, in a bathing suit, 
tackles her to the ground, pushes her face into the ground, and then proceeds to kneel on her back with all of his weight, with both of his knees, and she's screaming, my back is hurt. Please get off of me. I have a hurt back. I have an injury. And the bo- there's three or four boys that walk over towards the police officer to aid this young lady. And that is when he pulls his gun out. And you know he doesn't, what? One he doesn't my, pull it. Go ahead. One of my um, friends on Facebook, known him for a long time, um, <clears throat> Marine, told me, you know what? The reason why this happened, he wouldn't have pulled the gun if this hadn't happened. And he was like, the reason why he pulled his gun is because it looked like the kid was lifting up the back of his shirt to get to a weapon. And I said, no. No. What happened is that the kid had just been rushed out of a pool party and his pants weren't buttoned up and his pants were falling down and he was clutching at his pants. You actually see him clutching his pants twice. Once before he gets to where the cop is, and once right when he gets to where the cop is, so he's sliding out of control trying to turn and run when the cop whips around on him and pulls out a gun. No matter what you say about this, though, he pulled that gun with intent. Yes, he pulled that gun with intent, and he pulled that gun to, to uh, defend, not to defend, but to assert his authority to assault this girl Mm -hmm. because he wasn't in fear of anything at that moment but i like to go back to these boys because what they were just taught in that moment was that coming to the defense of a black woman or black girl could be your life that's what that's the lesson they were taught in that moment and black men are taught this all the goddamn time that when they come to our aid they could be killed When they come to our aid, they could be imprisoned. When they come to our aid, they could be assaulted. It is insidious. And here in this moment, this this fucking asshole does it to these boys. Because against all probable... You see adults standing there not doing a goddamn thing. And they felt the need to step in and say, ho, 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 get off her. And he pulls his gun on them. The thing about it is... For them to do that, for them to tell this cop who is clearly insane with power, deranged at this point in time, took more bravery than any of y'all can ever fathom. Oh my gosh. When you're told for so long that the cops are looking to hurt you, that the cops do not have your best interest in mind, that the cops are this, that, and the third, and you see something wrong, do you know what went through their head before they actually tried to approach this cop? And the first thing he does is pull the weapon on them? Yeah, it's going to be a while. I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't a while before they tried that again. And that's at the detriment of everybody. I see you people s- on Twitter and on, on Facebook talking about if that was my daughter, I would have lost my life right there. I, I don't know, dog. I'm not 100% on that. I'm not too sure. I'm not too certain you would either. And also, the other thing when he pulls the gun is you see the other two police officers jump to pull him back. You see them go like, whoa, 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 put that gun away. You see that. The thing is that the other cops, I don't don't quite understand. This is what I I, I hate, this idea of like, oh, you know, not all cops are bad. I go, yeah, but they fucking watched this maniac do this. He was running around them, grabbing kids, throwing them on the ground, screaming at them, swearing at them. Children who aren't even allowed in a fucking R-rated movie by themselves, and he's swearing at them. Somebody's children. This is insane. And I'm 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 trying to really I'm trying to make sure that we are being as uh 
thorough as possible in our statements here. But you have to understand that what that cop did, if that was if that was a white pool party and a black cop that came out there, you better believe that he'd be hemmed up immediately. He'd be on the news as a villain. And somebody would have hurt him, hit him, stopped him, held him back. Well, actually, you know what, though? In, in those scenarios, they're, they're, they start off as not even possible. Because if it was white people at a pool, nobody would have called the police. Also true. So it wouldn't have even gotten to any point where any cop would have been involved to even get to the point that they would be interacting with these white children. Because they are to be protected. They are to be allowed to make life mistakes and learn lessons as they grow up as an adolescent. Whereas we are forced to, even if we're perfect, possibly be killed or assaulted or incarcerated for nothing. That's the reality that we live in. Here's the uh, young lady... Jerry Beckton. Um, she was a teenager who got slammed to the ground by the cop. And swimsuits. But those supporting case both say party guests that disobeyed orders forced them to do it. Together in a circle, strangers at the police station pray for compassion. Defense on what's become a divisive issue nationwide. Police brutality or public defiance. After this video shows what witnesses describe as a fight between an invited graduation pool party guest of a resident and another woman, the nearly 70 guests disperse when police get there. He told me to keep walking. And I kept walking, and then I'm guessing he thought we were saying rude stuff to him. Moments later. McKinney Police Corporal Eric Casebolt takes down 15-year-old Dejeria Becton, an invited guest who says she was not involved in the fight. He grabbed me and he like twisted my arm um, on the back of my back and he shoved me in the uh, grass and he started pulling the back of my braids and I was like telling him that he can get off me because my back was hurting really bad. A crowd notices and surrounds Casebolt, prompting the supervisor to unholster his gun and pointed at other partygoers. Becton tries to get up, but Casebolt pins her to the ground, holding her down with both knees. She was eventually released to her family, who isn't happy with how the team was treated. It wasn't right. I think his voice was expected. But homeowners who live near the private pool say it was appropriate. Do we want to have this talk now or do No. Oh, my God. I don't even... I, honestly, like, I don't even know... The, the lengths at which white people will go to justify brutality against us re have reached epic proportions. And they have been pretty fucking high when you hear people trying to justify Tamir Rice being killed in a park with a toy gun. And you hear that all the goddamn time. But for real, the idea that anything that happened on that videotape was justifiable is... Laughable. It's beyond laughable. It's ridiculous. It's so absurd. It's like they're speaking a foreign language. Like, that's how ridiculous it is. It's like, are you looking at the... What the fuck are you looking at? That's what I feel like saying. What the fuck are you looking at? What are you talking about right now? Because you sound crazy. 
yesterday there was a uh, march through McKinney um, protesting the fact that the cop was placed on paid leave uh, during this uh, during following this uh, following him uh, completely manhandling this young lady. Uh, he was placed on a suspension or administrative leave, which means he gets paid to sit at home and wonder what happens to him next. And so there was a protest um, in which I would say, just looking at the numbers, thousands of people came out um, to show solidarity for what happened, black and white. Um, I've seen pictures of white women trying to say those kids were my kids, hashtag Black Lives Matter. It is crazy that now I have to worry about my kids doing something as innocent as swimming. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I said this last week when the incident happened in Ohio was that that young man that I mentioned earlier, which is, you know, that summer becomes a, you know, challenging and uh, tension wrought time for black parents. And I don't think white people really understand that. White parents don't get that. They think, oh, summer vacation is cool. Our kids get to be carefree and wonderful. And black kids don't get to be carefree. We don't get that luxury. We get policed. We get random strangers feeling that they can touch us because they want to. We get police officers thinking that we're lower than dogs so they can talk to us like we're the animals. But showing enough clarity and sense of mind to change their entire tone when approached by white people. That's the thing that I think will stick in my mind the most is how he was yelling at those young black kids and then just turned around and immediately it was like it was like Eddie Haskell on Leave It the Beaver. Yeah. You know, how Eddie was a complete dick to the beaver. <laughs> he was a dick to the beaver. <laughs> I'm a jerk. Um he was a complete jerk to the beaver. And then would turn around and as soon as Miss Cleaver would come around, we'd be like, Oh, I'm so you know, this so Perfect. happy that you're here. Right. And that's what this cop was doing. He was showing those kids right there where the line was, what he thought of them as compared to somebody who might be the next leader of his HOA. Let me be nice to this white kid because he's going to make something out of himself. But these black kids are thugs who are trespassing. Did anybody actually arrest the white woman who started the fight? No, there was one arrest, and it was not that white woman who works for Bank of America, I might add. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I know that they're on her helmet. I know that Twitter and, and Facebook is on her helmet. So, yeah. Yeah. Fat Man Wild, spin the beat. This single simulcast. Hello, gorgeous. This phone call's probably been recorded. Just know that I did it for the four of us And those motherfuckers kept ignoring us After this I'm going underground If they come asking, give them the run around How does Costa Rica in the summer sound? Couple days then we move it to another town Yeah I know them dreams, it seems Just know that time will never come between Space either, 
Fake features, things that we reject but connects all us believers. The insurrection's gone viral, they'll never stop it now. I hope it all spirals out of control. Like a dam with a hole From here on out it's all about survival The way we left things they probably think we rivals But don't be naive, they hate you more than I do Remember always speaking opposites I hate you so much, it's such a compliment I know that defies the common sense But we ain't never been right, honestness We never fit in school and never did rules But who'd have thought we'd turn out bombing shit Just so tired of them fighting our water with fire. He said that we needed something drier to really impress the empire. Funny cause he really hated war. But why we went to war is what he really hated more. Said it's silly how that our schools make us stupid and our jobs make us poor. When he came back from the core, it's when he really got serious. Read a lot of books, started acting all mysterious. The VA is what really made him furious. Told him his condition didn't exist. Period. That's why he started that petition. Went all the way to Washington. Said they didn't listen. To a white male Christian. He just laughed when they took our father's pension. He said that you gotta act in opposites. Helps you hide your tracks when you stand up to the dominant. But I knew he felt bad. Told me later what's the saddest day he ever had. See our dad so hopeless, that was the turning point That's what really gave him focus I ain't agree with everything, some of it made sense But never thought that he would do something like I'm this I'm giving you a night call to tell you how I feel I want to drive you through the night Down the hills Watch, but your brother was on TV Couple guys in black suits came around to see me They went through all your books and took all of your CDs My granny said you'd be alright, she saw it in the tea leaves All the operations going well Had a lot of contact from all the other cells Everybody everywhere is calling you a hero They're Going through the rubble but the body count is zero It's all violent and bloodless I know the government really loves this This account is hacked You know how to keep in touch, I'll never see you again, I hate you so much.
Hey, it's your boy Dino Red from the Disney, and I'm here to fill in with Rashani on the single final show. Close your eyes, see what's your heart. How do you forgive the murderer of your father? The ink of a scholar is worth a thousand times more than the blood of a martyr. Terrorists, huh? We came through the storm. Nooses on our necks and a smallpox blanket to keep us warm on a 747 on the Pentagon lawn. Wake up, the alarm clock is connected to a bomb. Anthrax lab on a West Virginia farm. Shorty ain't learned to walk, already heavily armed. Civilians and little children is especially harm. Camouflage Taurus, Bibles and glorious Qurans. The books that take you to heaven and let you meet the Lord there. Have become misinterpreted reasons for warfare. We read them with blind eyes, I guarantee you there's more there. Rich must be blind, cause they ain't see the poor Yeah, yeah Need to open up a park, just close 10 schools We don't need them, can you please call the fire department They down here marching for freedom Burn down ATPs, turn their TVs on to teach them and move The more money that they make, the more money that they make The better and better they live Whatever they wanna take, whatever they wanna take Not cause things the same Because we lack the same color And that's gray Now that's man Can't burn his cross Cause he can't afford the gasoline Now if a Muslim woman's trapped with a bomb on the bus With the seconds running Give you the jitters Just imagine an American-based Christian organization Planning the poison water supplies To bring the second coming quicker Nigga They ain't living properly Wreck them all Fill no democracy Turn their whole culture to a mockery Give them coke Cola for their property Give them gum, give them guns Get them young, give them fun But if they ain't giving it up Then they ain't getting none And don't give them all Now man, just give them some It's the paper, some of these cops Must be Al-Qaeda, nigga, uh.
You are tuned in to Single Simulcast, the show about everything. Hi, this is Ricky L. Hines II, founder of the Americans United Again movement, and you are now listening to Single Simulcast. If you want to catch the AUA mo- movement, you can visit us at auamovement.org. Hi, this is Ricky L. Hines II, founder of the Americans United Again movement. And I uh, just, just wanted to bring you guys an audio adaptation of a blog post that we have on our site that was uh, written recently by myself. If you want to take a look at that or even get to know more about the Americans United Again movement, just go to auamovement.org. That being said, uh, this actually touches on the events that happened in McKinney, Texas. And uh, the blog post is titled, McKinney so much white supremacy. McKinney has shown white America the world that black America lives in and did so in a way that white America didn't want to have to experience. To most black people, the videos of what happened are triggering. They bring back some memory of a similar occurrence they dealt with, an occurrence that they repressed just to get through each day. To many white people, those who see the difference in how black people are treated by police, The actions caught them by surprise and likely filled them with hurt and anger. This is progress for many in white America because they've refused to believe what black America has been saying all along. And that's that that good cop who speaks nicely to you, treats you with respect, treats us like disposable, subhuman occupants of this country. It was evidenced in the way that Corporal Casebolt talked to the white teenager filming the video and how he responds to every other black teenager present. Those children he was cussing at aren't even allowed to see movies with that much cussing in them without parental supervision. But an officer of the law sees fit to verbally abusing them in a manner that if their parents did on camera would garner outrage. Worse is that not one adult there stopped him from at least doing that. Think about that when you watch the video or run it back over and over in your mind. I honestly love the discussions I've seen and heard around this ordeal from people, but there's something that many aren't focused on when they talk about this situation, and that is just how much of a role racism and white male supremacy played into it. It obviously played into how the situation began with two white women harassing the black kids at a pool party, then berating a white kid when she voiced her displeasure about the harassment. Of course, it played a role in how the fight started with 19-year-old Tatiana Rose deciding to confront the women about the harassment, and one of them attacked her. White supremacy played a role in just why the police were called. They weren't called for a hate crime or an assault. The real reason they needed to show up They were called about a bunch of black people fighting. From the outset, the police were given reason to come in and harass black people, and they surely didn't disappoint, did they? The video opens up with Officer Case Bolt running around chasing black children, more akin to a caffeine-intoxicated hamster than an officer of the law. And worse off, his fellow officers, though appearing mostly calm, do nothing to stop him from harassing children who weren't even involved in the altercation they were called about. White supremacy played a role in just why so many officers were present. Upon the first 
squad car arriving, many of the teenagers reportedly scattered. Given what transpired after, I can't say that I blame them. Innocent black people being legitimately afraid of police didn't start after this incident. It started long before. It's highly doubtful that those children hadn't already had a relationship with police that was soured by both the way they themselves are treated and the many instances of government-sanctioned violence on black bodies. So when some ran, more cops were called, ignoring the fact that even if they were innocent, they had substantial reason to be afraid. White male supremacy played a role in the harassment and unnecessary detention of Dejeria Beckton by Case Bolt. Let's be clear, a 15-year-old talking back to an officer, especially one who was actively harassing her, her friends, and her family, is not a crime and definitely not a threat to Case Bolt. You can only berate someone while in a position of authority for so long before the people on the receiving end use what little they have to stand up for themselves. In Dejeria's case, she used her words and her legs. Case Bolt's detention of her wasn't about the law. It was about pride. His actions signify someone thinking, how dare this little black bitch talk to me like that, rather than this child broke the law and needs to be held accountable. He used his power and authority to demean, abuse, and harass a child. White male supremacy played a role in Case Bolt's ability to harass these children in the first place, Beckton especially, while still being relatively safe himself. The young men who approached him were looking to remove him from his post on top of a child, not specifically to injure him. Therefore, Casebolt didn't draw on them to protect himself, but in effect, drew a gun to stand his ground on top of a 15-year-old girl. The young men who, despite doing something eh, technically illegal by interfering with an arrest, deserve to be applauded. They are the embodiment of what Black Lives Matter should look like. They saw a black life being devalued, being shown that it didn't matter, and they made the decision to try and put a stop to it. Could their actions have caused the Jerry to be harmed far further? Absolutely. It was clear that this cop was dangerous and that the move could backfire. The same thing happens in war, when someone is downed, injured, or captured. The one thing we don't do in these situations is blame airmen, marines, sailors, and soldiers for trying to save one another from harm. Nor should we. If soldiers in war aren't held to that standard, then why should children in duress be? To hold them to that standard is racist because it holds black children to an unlivable standard. One that we don't set for people in war. Case Bolt and the officers who didn't immediately disarm him instead of chasing the young men made it very clear that the punishment for valuing black lives should be severe injury or death. For their bravery, one was awarded what appeared to be a bloody mouth and may face charges. Mind you, they were the only people to even attempt to stop Case Bolt from ego tripping on a minor. Not his fellow officers. Not the other four adult men or any of the women present, no one else. White male supremacy was why the teenager filming the video, Brandon Brooks, who was white, wasn't cussed at or abused and was walking around freely filming while every other kid was being forced into police submission. Thankfully, Brandon used his privilege to expose what happened instead of being complicit himself. Speaking of complicity, 
the white man and one man who appeared to be uh, an older bald black man who were present in the video were assisting police in holding innocent children hostage by trying to calm them with pacifying voices instead of standing up for the kids dignity one man the large man in the tan shirt and jean shorts even goes so far as to stand over the, the girl with his crouch on the back of her head and would appear to be an attempt to stop her from getting up a perverted way to get some sexual pleasure and show his political affiliations teabagger get it or some combination of the of the three white male supremacy has shaped how Dejeria's actions have been framed and the expectations for black children under duress many of the same people saying and I quote she shouldn't have talked back or calling her a thug are the same voices that defended the pedophilia of Josh Duggar what's so demented about the comparison is that Duggar received less punishment from a police officer an officer who himself is a pedophile and is in jail uh, for child pornography charges um, for molesting his sisters and other young women than the Jerry received for responding rudely and rightfully so might I add to an officer who was literally actively terrorizing her friends and family again keep in mind that two white women started this melee yet there are no white women in sight being treated the way these innocent kids are black people are being punished for being the victims of a crime but there are those who can't understand our aversion to the police if this incident isn't enough evidence of the pervasiveness of racism via white supremacy then you're part of the problem Honestly, white male supremacy is killing this country from the inside out, and it always has been doing so. It has functioned as a congenital disease in this country, and yes, we've gotten this far while largely ignoring it, but the reality is, we haven't really gotten that far, have we? We can do better than this. We're human beings. We are human beings and what we say is the, the, the best country and the best society in the world. Live up to that standard. Don't set that standard and do whatever the fuck you want. Live up to it. Hold yourself to it. Challenge yourself to do better. If for only that reason alone is that it's the standard. Thank you for listening. This is John. And this is Molly. And we're from the Pennyman Doctrine Podcast. Real shit with real people. And you are now listening to the Single Summer Cast. Enjoy. Two cops is on the milk box missing. Show they closing 
a chest full of tampons. Run from the police, picture that. Nigga, I'm too fat. I fuck around and catch an asthma attack. That's why I bust back. It don't faze me. When he drop, take his clock and I'm crazy. Celebrate my escape, solar block, bust away. Lay back, I got some money to make. Motherfucker. I represent Gorilla 7 of in Chicago, and I once won a Nobel Peace Prize in Awesomeness, and that is why you should listen to Single Simulcast.
My name is Nikki Blue, and I am the resiest red kid you will ever find. They go me in a cocky on me, single simulcast.
Simulcast 186 Leslie Rashani Fatman Wild. Um, you can check her out on the Interracial John podcast uh, on Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, you can check her out on the Ferguson Response Network uh, podcast. Again, available on Stitcher. Um, so, another thing that I was talking about yesterday, this is. This show is, if you haven't noticed, it's pretty much an addendum to yesterday's show. Because like I said, I was talking about stuff and then I noticed stuff and then I was fortunate enough to have Leslie say, you know what, I want to talk about stuff. And that gave me a chance to keep talking about stuff, such as the fact that, such as the fact that uh, Miss Becton was 15 years old. 15, yeah, yeah. Miss DeJaria Becton was 15 years old. And people are saying that she knew better. She should have sat down and paid attention to what the cops said. She knew better, and she was in the wrong. Josh Duggar was like 15 years old when he molested his sisters and um, the kids he was babysitting. And somebody has said, and I quote, he was just going through puberty. And kids were going through puberty often are curious. One of the people who are still standing up for Josh Duggar is Republican President hopeful Mike Huckabee. Mike Huckabee says, and I quote, in every family we deal with crises, we deal with issues. I was just stunned and shocked that number one, the victims were exploited in this by the media for their own purposes. There was no interest in the media to protect those girls. I want to stop right there and say, no, Mike, you got that incorrect. There was no interest in the family. To protect those girls. Exactly. To talk about those girls. Even their fucking statement that the Duggars made. They didn't make mention of the girls. It was about them. It was about him. Nothing about the victims. They see themselves as a victim. They see Josh as a victim. Honestly, I can't even with that fucking Duggar story. There's so much to unpack there, it's like disgusting to me. Here's the quote. I do want to speak up in his defense against people who are calling him a child molester, which he is, or a pedophile, which he is, or a rapist. And I want to stop again and say this. Pedophilia has been labeled as a mental illness. There are many people in the world who have that and have not done anything. They just suffer because they know that if they touch a kid, it's going to shit. There's a difference between pedophiles and molesters. Josh Duggar is a molester. He's a gross, gross, gross example of a horrible sibling, child, anything, parent, friend, anything. Now, Jessica Seawald, who is one of his sisters, is the one who's saying this. I do want to speak up in his defense against people who are calling him a child molester or a pedophile or a rapist. One of his sisters that he molested told Megan Kelly. 
He was a boy, a young boy in puberty and a little too curious about girls, and that got him into some trouble and he made some bad choices. But the extent of it was mild, inappropriate touching on fully clothed victims, most of it while girls were sleeping. I, I oh, never watched the Duggars in the first place. But Me neither. I never watched them before either, nor do I. I'm assuming to. nobody will have a plan to because hopefully they'll just go away. You know what? But They're actually talking I, about doing a spinoff show featuring the daughters. Yeah, you know. And who's it? And who's exploiting them? Exactly. Is the song clear? Exactly. How's that? Okay, got it. Check. Now, the next thing was um, this was just I like I said. In Mississippi, if you chair the graduation, you might catch a charge. Hmm. This week, according to WGN News. Four people were asked to leave Centobia High's commencement ceremony held in Mississippi Community College for being too excited that their family members, Lenarka Walker and another grad named LaCadra, had taken the next step in their lives. When she went across the stage, I called out her name, LaCadra, just like that, Ursula Miller told WREG. I can understand they can escort me out of the graduation, but to say they're going to put me in jail for it, what else are they allowed to do? Now Miller, along with Lenarka's mother, Linda Walker, and two others, are facing charges of disturbing the police or disturbing the peace, for which police have issued warrants for their arrests. These arrests come with a possible $500 bond, all for cheering at a graduation. The superintendent, Jay Foster, who's the one who pressed charges, by the way, the school superintendent, said that he will have order at his graduation which I guess means he'll arrest your mother if she cries tears of joy too loudly as well. Shout out to you, Magnolia State Superintendent Foster. You're what makes America great. And by great, they mean embarrassing and stupid. Mm. I... It just harkens back to that video from last month of that principal saying, look who's leaving, all the black people. Do you remember that? Mm Mm-hmm. And it just occurs to me that even, you know, I mentioned earlier that even when we're perfect, that we we still are treated so badly, we still could have horrible things happen to us. Like, we often are not in control of, of how things play out. And this is just another one of those scenarios. It's like, you know, they're there in this moment where they get to celebrate their child, they get to celebrate their family member, they get to celebrate their loved one and their accomplishments. And even in that, we're policed. Even in that, we're policed. It's like, what the fuck? I'm just, I'm, I'm just a fan of the whole disturbing peace when you're cheering. But in Texas... Is that cop going to be charged for disturbing the peace? Because really, he was the reason. Yep. And if he's not the reason, then is the white woman who came over and started calling them out of their names going to be charged with disturbing the peace? I strongly doubt it. And I'm getting kind of tired of them changing up the rules to fit their own needs. Because that's what keeps happening. 
oh, we can we can modify disturbing the peace to mean talking too loud in a restaurant. Um, oh, 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 you shouldn't have came through the front door. People were scared by your presence. You're disturbing the peace. You might be laughing at that, or you might be shaking your head at that, or you might be thinking that that's a little bit off topic, Rashani, but really, they just charge people with disturbing the peace for cheering their child on at a graduation. My son is graduating in two days. Triple Kenny is graduating in two days, and they're going to hear me. Oh, they're going to hear me. You know what? They're going to hear me loud and proud, and they're going to hear me after it's all said and done. You know what? They're going to hear me when I cheer for his classmates, too. I bet you they won't say that it's a disturbing of the peace. They will welcome it. They will welcome it. And for them to say that this is not going to happen at my graduation, you're full of spit. I can probably look up a video right now of graduation ceremonies at that community college. It's a community college, dog. At that community college where people are cheering their heads off because they're happy that their kids made it. You got a lot of nerve. You got, you got, you got moxie. You got gumption. You got, ugh. To charge people with that, that just, that's horrible. Absolutely pathetic. That is just, just ridiculous. Remarkably ridiculous. The last addendum. A 22-year-old man who spent three years in a New York jail, despite never being charged with a crime, killed himself on Saturday. Let me say that again, just in case you guys missed it. A 22-year-old man who spent three years in a New York jail, despite never being charged with a crime, killed himself on Saturday. You know, I always thought that happened in places like Guantanamo Bay. No, it happens all over this country. Our bail system is in, is inherently racist and um, and anti-poor people, which in this country means mostly black and brown people. And I've done a lot of legislative work on bail reform in uh, the state of New Jersey, so I know uh, the intricacies in which uh, this this system operates, which is much like the Ferguson report, will show commoditization and um, derelict behavior on the part of the courts and the judicial system to take advantage of poor people wherever they can to make their money. And what will end up happening is somebody will be arrested for something and they'll be put in jail and they won't be able to make bond. Even if bond is as low as, you know, say it's $5,000 bond and they need to come up with $500. There's a, a large segment of our population that cannot scrape together $500. They don't have somebody to come and get them out of jail. They don't have money for a lawyer. They don't have a way to get out. And so they sit there charged not convicted, just charged in a jail cell in horrible conditions in most instances. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know what? I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. And I'm not ooing about that because she's right, y'all. I'm ooing because um, breaking news here on the single simulcast addendum uh, episode. Um, that, uh, Is that John? Office, huh? That officer? That officer. He resigned. He did resign. 
So that means that he's not going to be charged for anything. He's not going to actually be fired. He got to leave on his own volition. He did. He can still be charged with criminal activity, but he will not, if due to his resignation, he does not lose his pension. Nothing goes on his permanent record. He uh, keeps his police officer license, meaning he can uh, be an officer in another community somewhere else. He does not lose possession of his service revolver and his license to carry one. Um, it's pretty much the opposite of what justice looks like. And it's actually how supremacy continues to reward people for their behavior. Because they allow them to uh, state the terms with which they will exit. And then they're held accountable for their actions. It's disgusting. Well, watch, check, check out how this uh, fuckery reads out. And let me make sure that I got the uh, soundbite ready. Because I'm going to need it a lot for this. The actions of Case Bolt, oh, by the way, this is Texas Texas Chief McKinney, Texas Chief Greg Conley, said, quote, the actions of Case Bolt, Eric Case Bolt, on the case, as seen by, as seen on the video, the disturbance at the community pool are indefensible. Conley had originally placed the former Texas State Trooper on administrative leave after the incident. The Associated Press reported that Casebolt's lawyer, Jane Bishkin, declined to say where he is now and get ready, y'all, for the uh, trigger warning, has added that the officer has received death threats. The attorney said he that she would release more information at a news conference on Wednesday. At the conference, the police chief defended the actions of the other officers who responded to the party. Quote, there were 12 officers on scene. 11 did exactly what we wanted them to do. So what you wanted them to do was stand by while he pulled guns on young kids, uh, pulled people around by their hair, uh, kneeled on people with both knees and leaned into them. Um, yep. Assaulted people and violated their civil rights completely. You wanted them to stand back and watch. You wanted uh, him to put that video onto his training videos on YouTube. Um, you wanted him to think that this is all funny and whatnot. But of course you did because the chief also criticized those whose unruly actions triggered the call to police. Quote, I do not condone the actions of those individuals who violated the rules of the community, showed disrespect to the security person on scene, and to the officers who responded, he added. Casebolt had been accused of excessive force in a 2007 arrest as part of a federal lawsuit to name him another officer. The lawsuit was McKinney's also been the target of lawsuits accusing him of racial segregation in public housing. Just to mention that part, too. Yeah. Yeah, the thing about the other officers, though, is just, it's just amazing to me that that's what they wanted them to do. Um, yeah, you just want to... This is what I mean by the, there's no accountability at all because they honestly, like, believe that they did all that needed to be done because they don't have any framework with which to think that somebody is wrong and they're a police officer. Like, those two things somehow don't exist. Ever. 
And it also goes to show, I heard that the, at, at this press conference, the police chief, who's actually been there about six months, it sounds like he's so relatively new, and the mayor, the mayor had the nerve to say that in addition to him thinking that officers could be trained, you know, differently, that the, the community could also use training on how to deal with officers, end quote. Which is interesting, because the last time I checked, I, I didn't have to get any training to do with my garbage man or or postal worker or any other fucking civil servant that I come in contact with. Just police officers then. Okay, got it. Just to be clear. Well, well see, you don't have to... Um, you don't have to actually pursue training for this sort of stuff when most of the people in the community feel like you deserve a fucking medal. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was he was the officer of the year. Yeah. So, there's that. So that's, that's good to know what they value in this community, this wonderful community, best city to live in in the country, according to Time Magazine. Oh, yeah. um, I also think it's interesting in the context of the media of, of the front-facing voice of these municipalities and what they say to the media, what their thoughts are on these situations, because they always come at it from a completely, like, not just detached, but borderline delusional place. Um, there was an action in Hartford, Connecticut, um, yesterday uh they've been doing more on mondays there they started doing them a couple of months ago um i actually reported about it on the ferguson response network because um reverend seku went to the very first one and the police came into a house of worship to get him this outside agitator and he had to literally physically be surrounded by other clergymen to stop them from taking him i'll give you that's just some context for the area that i'm talking about in Hartford, Connecticut, way up here in the north. Um, the Maribel LaLuz, a spokesperson for the Hartford Mayor's Office, says it looks like the Ferguson National Response Network chose the capital city to have one of their Black Lives Matters rallies here. It kind of, it's kind of a classic sort of civil disobedience right now where folks are volunteering to be arrested. She then concludes... Everybody is volunteering to be arrested, so this was a planned event. It was coordinated ahead of time. So there's no issues that we're aware of, other than the headache of the commute itself, because they blocked the street off. So just to say, there's no issues that we're aware of, other than the headache of the commute itself. So were they protesting nothing then? You're not aware of any issues? How about the fucking issue they're protesting about? That doesn't count. It's like, do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? You sound fucking crazy right now. Your words don't even make sense in the context. And you're the spokesperson. You're the press agent. You're the person that's supposed to have savvy and talking to media spokespeople. It's just crazy to me. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I... I and, and I... It's going to be a long summer. That's it what is. I have to say. It, it, That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, look, let's put it like this. And, and, and I do want to say, we're joined by John and Molly from the Penny Production Podcast. Um, yo, y'all, how are you? What's going down? Hey, guys. Hey. Um, 
I do just want to say that I've spoken with people because a video came out a few days ago of two white people fighting in Walmart in Indiana. Um, and the kid of one of the, of the, uh, one of the women jumps in and starts uh, hitting the other woman in the head, kicking her in the head, and throwing shampoo on her and all that kind of stuff. And um, it, it just shocked me at how everybody was just standing back and watching. Uh, these two white women throw down with a child right there, destroying uh, the goods and everything that are in this store and everything. Um, but when John Crawford walked through a Walmart with a BB gun that he planned on purchasing, the cops came and killed him. Um, and people got mad and told me I was racist. <laughs> they told me I was racist for, um, I don't know what. I, I really don't know. Like, there's pages of, and, I'm, and John, I know you saw it. There's pages of people saying that yeah. I am racist yeah. for mentioning John. And one person was so mad and was calling you racist. And he was like, you aren't even connecting the two issues. There's no correlation. I said, yes, there is a correlation. And he said, no, there's no correlation between two women fighting in a Walmart and a kid playing with a BB gun in the park getting shot by cops. That's the wrong black kid. <laughs> You're calling me racist, but you think that all us blacks look exactly alike. But you know what? One was 12 and the other one was like 22. It's just so difficult to talk to folks about these issues because as soon as they get back into a corner, the first thing they're going to say is that we are the racist. We are the problem. We don't want to see past color. We don't want to see past these issues. And we're like, we would stop talking about color if we stopped getting killed because of it. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about the comment thread um, is, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, oh, I was just waiting for someone to, uh, to bring up some racist stuff. And the thing about it is, is the the person who was taking the video was the one who brought up the racist stuff. He was the one calling them white trash. He was the one sitting there laughing and joking. The people in the background were like, oh, what's anybody going to do about this? What's somebody going to do about this? And 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 it, and it and it's funny because no one actually called the cops. The people that from what I read that came and intervened were the Walmart police and had the fight taken outside. So it wasn't like police came in and you know, um, uh, you know, took control of the situation and everybody down. No, no, no. Walmart security had to come escort these women outside so they can continue bicker and uh, commit child abuse outside. No one's dead. Uh, from I mean, um, unless unless I'm mistaken, I didn't see anyone. Uh, uh, have any uh, charges pressed or, or anything like that but your analogy, I'm, I'm sorry, your correlation with the story was completely apt. It was so apt that that is their response and, and it's funny because not to, not to go back to to McKinney because I know you guys are done with that but I, I just wanted to bring up how funny it is that those people said Every single I have no argument, so I'm gonna be racist and say this argument that they could come up with. Those are they hit everyone. Go back to section eight. Uh, they was telling the white girl you should do better for yourself. And then that's textbook. That's sh that's shit that I've been hearing since I was six, seven, eight years old. 
Go back to Africa, Blackie. Go back to Section 8. What are you talking about? I bought this house in this, uh, our parents bought this house in this association, you know, in this, in this estate neighborhood, you know, the got credit, work good jobs. I don't, what am I going back to? I'm, I'm all right. I'll go back to Brook Park, which is another suburb of Cleveland, right next to Middleburg Heights. So, you know, it, it, they just, they just, it's, it's just funny how, you know, you, you can, you can not call the cops. You can make fun, you can demean, you can individualize these two people because they represent you. So, uh, well, no, those are just individuals. But when something bad happens with black people, like for instance, those girls that got into that, that fight in the McDonald's, oh, yeah. that's the whole group. And side note, and then I'm done, uh, the guy who uh, made that story, uh, at least on Media Matters, kind of big, and the stuff that he was saying that white people don't kill like black people do. Um, he recently, I just saw Media Matters post a thing where he had said that the teens in McKinney were jungle animals. So that's how they view us. We're animals and we need to be put down as such. If you didn't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I figured that out about halfway through um, this dissertation that I was having with this person. Like I said, I love going on Deadspin because the comments board is so funny. Like, yeah. you can make jokes and everything and laugh and talk. You can learn about food and all that. And you can learn, apparently, the reason why black people are fighting is because nobody yelled world star in the background. That was a comment? That was a comment. These are things that I'm fighting against. And I'm just like... <sighs> I don't know how you guys even read the comments. That's where souls go to die. I, I need a straw man to argue with. Usually I make comments and I just walk through. But this was the first, like, I, before this whole thing took off, I had made, like, three comments. Because it happened in Indiana. Um, so the first comment that I said is that uh, this sort of stuff wouldn't have happened in Pawnee. Because for those of y'all who have seen the excellent show, Parks and Recreation, <laughs> <laughs> that's in Pawnee. You know, it was a joke. Um... The second one that I made is that uh, everybody lost in that fight because they they did. The kid saw his mom getting beat up, and the kid jumped in, and so everybody lost in that fight. The third comment that I made was that they were thugs because, you know, if they were black people, if they were black ladies, somebody would have posted that up, and somebody would have liked it a million times, and it would have had all sorts of replies and stuff, so I called them thugs. At which point somebody got on me because I because they said that what I called them was the equivalent of white trash. So I was racist. And then oh. the fourth comment that I made was about John Crawford. And the comments, the first four comments, the first three comments that I made that have been jokes got maybe a total of eight likes between them. The comment about John Crawford immediately got 210 replies. <laughs> of people calling me racist and saying that I was just there pushing buttons and, and picking at it. Jesus, that didn't take long. And I was like, no, it didn't take long. I, I typed quickly. <laughs> and I mean, I'm, they're, they're like trying to pop up with stuff and they're like, shampoo kills fewer people than guns. And I was like, I beg to differ. Have you ever gotten shampoo in your eye? <laughs> and so that was going. I'm openly trolling them about this stuff and they're getting mad. 
they're getting madder and madder, and the madder they're getting about it, they're like, it took 14 minutes to inject some racist bullshit into this white trash fight. Hopefully, congrats, and hopefully you'll be able to live with your white privilege shame for another day. And I was like, what is racist about facts? I don't understand that part. Can y'all explain that to me, please? You three on the show, Molly, Leslie, John, can y'all explain to me what is racist about facts? John Crawford was killed in a Walmart for walking around with a BB gun that he got in Walmart. What's racist about that fact? Um, I'm really not sure what is racist about that fact. I mean, I think that people take facts personally, which doesn't make any sense because facts are facts and people seem to uh, find opinions much more um, validated arguments than facts. And not to side note, but I've been doing a lot of um, Facebook debating the last two days, which I don't normally do, but I'm just quite pissed off in general. But I don't know if any of you guys have noticed how many... Um, especially black women have come forward defending the actions of police officers with the McKinney thing. I know I'm backtracking. Um, we kind of came in right as you're finishing up, but like I had one lady that said they should have just come in and just peppered sprayed everybody. Like I'm completely confused. And these are black women? Yes. Like, and they're like, I would never let my children into those communities. And I'm like, but you don't know what communities you're letting your child into. Like, you think you're letting your child into a safe community, but we're finding out that no community is safe if your skin is not white. True. And that's not fair. And then it's like, well, you're white. And I'm like, oh, first of all, I don't know what I am, but my children are non-mistakenly brown. And that's my concern. I got, <clears throat> there's always folks who will pop up where you're just like, damn, this is my friend. Um, <laughs> one guy popped up and said, you know what me and my homies would do when police busted up parties? We attended and instructed us to go home. We would calmly get up, tell them good night and head out. And I'm like, yeah. Um, what about when white adults came to that said party and started calling you racial slurs and telling you to go back to your Section 8 housing and started cussing you out and then they hit you and then the cops tell you to leave and when you're leaving he grabs you and your friend and throw you to the ground and handcuffs you and puts his knees in your back but leaves your white friends alone to witness a takedown. What do you do then? And I need to know because my biggest fear is that my kids will be at one of those parties and you'll blame them for whatever happens. This dude's Hispanic. Yeah, I, I, I ran. I grew up in the burbs. And I partied the hardest in the most affluent of burbs because my burb um, made it obviously clear that I was not accepted. Uh, so I didn't hang out with very many people from my high school. I didn't hang out with very many people in the surrounding areas. I went to the city over that was a little more um, affluent. Um, and I, I played my role as token very well. But when our parties got broken up, for a few reasons, there was a couple of parties because <laughs> there was a couple of parties that got broken up because um, the girls wanted to experiment with me. Uh, so the guys got jealous and called the cops. There was a couple of parties that just got broken up because they were loud. And 90% of the time, um, I ran. I hopped some fences. Uh, hop some fences, hid in bushes, 
um, hidden hidden closets. Um, what else do my friends do to protect me? Uh, just just there was just a lot of things that 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 were done. They they fought for me, um, and it's funny that now nowadays you know these are the people that sit is ridiculous stuff when when black people are, are dying above had friends some of them but uh, you know when when I was around and I was their token um, which I'm not up from the police because I've dealt with that police department before there was one time uh, we went to go pick up this girl that I had met probably a few weeks before. She was really into me. Uh, her parents were really nice about it. So I don't know if you've been following my posts, but I had a lot of issues with um, girls, you know, liking me and then having to turn me down because um, of uh, uh, parental issues. But uh, her parents were cool with it. And uh, so I went to, it was, a, it was a triple date. And we were waiting in the driveway. And she was taking a little long because she wanted to look extra special because it was the first few times, you know, we were going out. And um, neighbors called the cops. Because we, I came, I, I got out of the car to, to switch seats. And I was going to, I was sitting, I was sitting shotgun because I didn't know how long things were going to take. And so once we were thinking about things, they wanted me in the back seat so I could sit with her, so I could get to know her. But blah, it was like a little movie we were doing. So somebody saw me come outside and they called the cops. Four cops, two badger, uh, three white, I'm sorry, two, three white, yeah, three white males and uh, two white females and another female whose house it is, it was like, what is going on? Like, I know them, I invited them here, I was taking too long, what are you doing? They had, they had us take breathalyzers, it was ridiculous. So I run, and I'm not opposed to that. Um, you know, the mindset of what these people are thinking, I don't know. They, they don't have to deal with it. So they're, they're coming at it. They're, they're using, they don't understand how privileged they're sounding. They don't understand that, that, be, you know, it, it's one of those situations where, um, and not to throw them under the bus, but it makes the app point. Um, Molly's son, Landon loves to get in conversations. He has no idea. Uh, what we're talking about and we'll we'll come to you and say something as it is fact oh yeah what you do to get rid of a, I'm just making something what you do to get rid of a bug bite is to put some uh, water on it and slap it twice and he'll believe it and we're like no 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 first off we're not talking about you to you um, and you're wrong and, and that's what they're doing. That's what they do. They don't know how to deal with this. They want to, to, to put their two cents because they feel a type of way. They're afraid. They're, they're, they're nervous. They're, you know, they think that this, that the black kids shouldn't have been there and all these other things. And, you know, I have this one troll on my page who, who, who's sitting there and saying that the party was illegal because it went against the HOA rules. Okay. If you violate the HOA rule, they give you a warning and tell you not to do it again. It's not like it's illegal where cops are going to come and arrest you and take you out of your home. HOA doesn't work like that. It's just a group of people that want, you know, some sort of um, um, basic rules in their community. And um, these people violated that in the kitchen. I get that. I understand that. Uh, but the, the response to it was more wrong than the first wrong. And that's what I was explaining to um, this... this um, 
well, well-meaning white girl who is now going to listen to the show because of what I've been saying. Um, you know, she's like, there is no, I was saying there's different levels of wrong. So there is no different levels wrong. Everybody's wrong. I was like, no, 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 no. The cops were the most wrong in how they responded. Next would be the racist slurs that would happen, that happened, that would be a little more wrong than the violation of the HOA. So when it all, when you boil it all down and you look at all the wrongs, you look at all these things that, were, that happened, there's two or three things that you can't deny. One, this is racially motivated. Two, this is racially motivated. And three, this is racially motivated. And you can't deny that. And so what do you expect these kids to do? They're going to run away from this person. I was going to say some um, speculative stuff, but I, I would try to stay away from that. This person, this, this citizen on patrol, I think we need to remember these things here, who was obviously abusing the little bit of power that he has. And... Um, I, I don't that's that's the justification they come up with they they are they they want other people to bend and mold to authority while they don't have to bend and mold to authority because <laughs> I'm a law-abiding citizen hello I'm a white guy hello all right I smoke weed I drink when I'm drunk or I drive when I'm drunk I, you know, I smack my girlfriend up sometimes and, you know, I sell cocaine and weed. But I am a law-abiding citizen, and when black people deal with the cops, they just need to follow orders. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, you know what? I got one more. Y'all can join in on this. Sure. Hiring more non-white officers is difficult because so many would-be recruits have criminal records, the New York Police Commissioner Bill Bratton said. We have a significant population gap amongst African-American males because so many of them have spent time in jail, and as such, we can't hire them, Bratton said in an interview with the Guardian. Police departments responding to widespread protests against several high-profile police guns of black men are boosting efforts to recruit more non-white officers, but budget restrictions strain relations between police and minority communities and, according to Bratton, a history of indiscriminate policing tactics, policy tactics, policing tactics, no policy tactics, that disproportionately target black and Latino men complicates the department's goal of racial parity. Bratton blamed the unfortunate consequences of an explosion and stopped question of frisk incidents that caught many men of color in the neck by resulting in them having been given a summons for minor misdemeanor. As a result, Bradley said, the population pool of eligible non-white officers is much smaller than it might have ordinarily been. I'm, I'm reading this to you guys because Bradley uh, is the one that set up stop and frisk. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, <laughs> isn't that the motherfucker who created this policy in the first place? Yep. So, he said, um, despite his reputation of stopping Chris, Bratton still believes in broken window policing, the crime-fighting strategy of enforcing low-level crime to stop offenders from committing more serious ones in the future is indispensable to keeping the city safe. So, like, now he's arrested people for panhandling and, um, loitering. Um, and he 
said, we will continue our focus on crime and disorder for Adam told the Guardian in an interview on May the 20th. I make no apologies for doing that. Critics say the policies he champions disproportionately affects poor urban communities and leads to mass incarceration of young black and Latino men for relatively minor offenses. Um, you, you basically took the words out of my mouth. So, um, I'm, I'm going to kind of like on the spot opine. Um, so it's one of those situations where it's like, um, what I've noticed throughout history is in, in America, I should say history in America, when it comes to race relations, um, especially after Tulsa, Oklahoma, back in uh, the 1920s, when they uh, literally started a race riot, so they had justification to burn that whole city down and kill thousands of people. Um, about as many people have died on, on 9-11, so, you know, never forget Tulsa, not 9-11. Uh, but, um, you know, ever since Reconstruction... Where they where they thought, which was naive of them, but but still pretty hilarious. Where they thought that, all right, fine, we'll let these niggers go and do what they want. They're never gonna succeed. And then like they didn't they didn't know that like we had been organizing for hundreds of <laughs> years under an oppressive regime of of you know slavery. Like we 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 had organization. We we taught each other how to read. We you know uh, taught each other how to to do things and we kept it secret you know because I don't know that's what you do when you're oppressed you band together and unify um, so reconstruction happened and uh, we were so good at being American like scared the fuck out of these motherfuckers they got scared not even scared they got scared and so they're like alright fuck this reconstruction shit you are a nigger again so uh, they created all the Jim Crow stuff and ever since then ever since they got uh, destroyed reconstruction it's been a uh, systematic effort to make their uh, the basis the foundation of their stereotypes that they created true in order to have a basis for their stereotype so let's make the black man lazy by never giving him a job let's make the black man not or in in Spanish Lake, uh, Missouri, which I've been working working diligently to get the director of that documentary. And if you have not seen that documentary, I I suggest you get it somehow. I don't. I can send it to you, Rishani. I have it. I want a copy of it. If you would love to see it, I think you should. Okay. Um, there 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 was a situation that um was understated, and I heard it in an interview that um the director was giving, where. Um, at this housing project that was notorious in Missouri, um, they purposely, part of their rules was the men, was that, that men could not be there even if they were the husband or father of your child. So there goes the stereotype that they're single family homes and, and single unwed mothers. Well, that was a, that was a law. That, that was the, the law was you cannot be there. 
um, you know, redlining, uh, not giving credit, um, you know, which if you're not going to give out credit, you're not going to be able to get the foundations that you need for some small businesses. And small businesses, if you don't know how our economy works here in the United States of America, not you, Prashani, but the, the audience, um, the life's blood of this American economy, for the most part, is not corporations, so it's sad that the focus is on them, but um, is small businesses. And most of those are owned, obviously, per population, but just still a statistical anomaly uh, or systematic, you know, um, oppression. Uh, by white people. They, they own most of the small businesses because they are able to get the loans and funds needed in order to create them. So when you redline for housing, you redline for loans, you redline for credit and all these things. So it, it's, it's a systematic, uh, governmental, institutionalized form of violence to perpetrate the stereotypes that now, what's his name, Bill Bratton, or it's Bill Bratton, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Where, no, where now a Bill Bratton is not able to hire African-American or black, you know, police officers because you arrested them all. They all got, they all got brought down in the station. There's, there's what, 1.78 something million black people in New York City but in in a year three million of them got detained uh, I don't know I, I'm not I'm not real great with complicated math but um, something's not adding up and you that the same can go with Ferguson the same can go with Cleveland and even when you do have black cops in Cleveland um, you know those black cops feel that they are on another level and they talk like they're on another another level and they think that they're on another level civilian on patrol you bitches make about as much as I make and I sit at a desk all day and call people about insurance stop it stop it stop you are you are a pawn in a game that is hurting everyone. And Bill Bratton told on himself. And it's not going to be reported as such, because that was in the New York Times. And I've, I've slowly started to realize that the New York Times is no one's friend. These are the same people that perpetuated the uh, lies about uh, that led us into Iraq. These are... Uh, there's an interesting... Um, guest on the Majority Report with Sam Cedar that I've been listening to uh, quite frequently when he's on, especially. Um, Gui, uh, fuck, I forgot his last name, but um, he's writing a book about um, these uh, kids who figured out the um, uh, the um, what's it called? The uh, God damn it. The um, the system where you know you you bid you bid on um, government contracts. I forgot what it was called, but uh, they figured that system out, and then they ended up 
um, by accident being gun runners for the United States of America. And basically, they facilitated the weapons getting to ISIS once you connect all the dots. So, yeah, Bush administration. Um, but they, they glanced over this. It's a big, huge deal. The big, huge deal. I mean, we're talking about ISIS right now, and then the, the foundation of it was two stoners from Florida who gamed the, the auction system through, you know, the bidding system uh, from the federal government because they had to because Halliburton was getting all the contracts. Uh, you know, so the New York Times is just, is just very problematic, and, you know, he felt like he was in a safe place to be able to say what he's saying, not knowing that... Uh, Rashani and me and Molly and, and, and Leslie were going to get together uh, and, you know, talk about things such as this uh, to put his ass on blast. So, um, you know, uh, it's just sad. I feel bad for Bill de Blasio that has to work, con, con, uh, work um, you know, right next to someone who is blatantly um, could have been the secretary of defense, could have been a uh, director of the, the FBI um, in the Obama administration. He was on the short list. Um, who, who feels this way about African Americans uh, and, 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 and b- black and brown people, I should say. Saying, why, why am I saying African Americans? I don't like that term at all. And, uh, you know, he just, he just tilt, he tilted his hand. And, yeah, so we're going to be policed by those who don't get stopped because the city needs them to not be stopped in order to police those that they want to be stopped in order to continue what they're doing because they know that it's coming. Um, I don't know if you've been listening to Twib recently, but uh, I love Aaron uh, Rand Freeman and uh, he jokingly has been talking about the revolution and what it entails with some ninjas and you know swords and laser swords and things such as that. But no, it's coming. It's coming. Um, the revolution will not be televised. It will probably be uh, recorded live on a podcast. And um, should should the, they are prepared, and so we need to be more prepared. But I think that we need to um, pull the the uh, the tablecloth out from underneath the table and not move the dishes uh, because that's what they're expecting. They're expecting the dishes to fall on the floor, and they're ready to eat up that glass. And so we need to uh, come above and beyond that. And so you know, I'm a big proponent right now of supporting your own uh, because that's the only way that you're going to be able to deal in a situation where, you know, they systematically are not allowing cops to be hired uh, because <laughs> that would mean that, that, you know, after a while, the culture would have to calm down because um, even though a lot of black cops are complicit in the, the fuckery that is going on, um, there is a lot that aren't, and there's been reports of them being, you know, charged and or fired and, and ostracized and blackballed because of it. So, fuck New York, man. That's why I live in Cleveland. That's one of my favorite songs. So every time you play it, I just want to sing. You should, because we should all be screaming out about the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Molly, I know you got words. Come on, say some words. I honestly, I didn't know about this story, so I feel kind of behind, but I do find it funny because I feel like every time someone makes decisions about something that they think is, like, gonna gonna solve the world and it ends up actually being, like, a really fucked up racist idea, um, for the most part, they do get caught. Do they get reprimanded? Not necessarily, but do they get caught in their own words? Yes. So, I mean, I guess I, I just kind of, I find it funny. But that's 
that's my biggest uh, biggest statement. Um, Black Pack. I just want to say one more time that um, words are not enough. At some point, um, somebody's gonna have to stand up and actually convince the. Uh, So far, I have not yet seen a police commissioner who is open to admitting that his, his police department has a problem. I haven't yet to hear that. I hear that we are the problem, and maybe the police handled it a little bit wrong and taking action against the problem, but I've never heard them say that the department is the problem. And I want to say again, yeah, they're might be some cops that aren't bad, but they get bad because they don't tell on the bad ones. Right. I see somebody do something and I don't stop them, the cop will take me to jail as an accomplice. Why don't we start calling good cops accomplices to bad cops actions? For not stepping Not to throw you off or maybe I'm off. maybe this is adding you to the adding to the point, but um there is a, uh, a thing going on here in Cleveland that a lot of activists want to um, get the officers, uh, I think, uh, get warrants for their arrest, or I, I, I can't yeah. remember right now. Is it happening um, on July 24th through the 26th? Um, no. No, it's like happening, yeah, it's happening like right now. Yeah. Like, they want it to happen before the grand jury even gets a taste of what's going on. There's a little but, known... The, the, oh, the not to cut you off. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a law that um, allows, um, you know, if you do it correctly, uh, to bypass the things that are needed to convict the uh, to charge cops, to get them to be charged. So... Well, and the problem is, is that the reason this is really going that way is because the um, police commissioner, whatever, McGinty... That's the prosecutor. Okay. He he is not taking this seriously nope. at all. And, you know, it's like monkey see, monkey do, which is really a bad pun considering the situation at hand. But, um, I mean, you know, all I think of all of the 12 cops that were potentially charged with uh, the Melissa Williams and Tim Russell uh, shooting back in 2012 have now been cleared. Like, they're not going to be charged or anything with anything. And McGinty is just basically saying that everything that the people of Cleveland are saying that uh, is going wrong with our city is absolute bullshit and we just need to quit complaining. So, I mean, like, what, I'm, and we've seen this before. We saw this, what, we saw this a few months ago. I can't remember what else happened a few months ago. In Cleveland? Yeah, McGinty's been in trouble a few times in Cleveland as far as racial issues go. Like, he, he completely is pulling the colorblind card because he doesn't want to deal with it. And to, I mean, I don't know the numbers of Cleveland, but Cleveland is a very colored city. And so Black, to, brown, 
Right. To say that this is not a situation of color and the Department of Justice has basically made Cleveland their home for the last three and a half years is absolutely crazy. But he continues to believe that, you know, the issues at hand are just in everyone's head and they're really not. I'm going to do a Roshani real quick. I'm going to do a Roshani. I stopped watching crime dramas because I started getting frustrated on how clean the prosecutors slash detectives were in always coming up with the solution to the problem at the end of the hour. I used to like CSI. I used to like Law and Order. I used to like... Um, there was another one. It was a, it was a smaller one, but I stopped watching them because it was getting on my nerves on how, you know, whenever, whenever somebody would be like, no, I got a hunch, you know, the evidence is connecting and the prosecutor's always like, all right, I'm going to go with this. I need you to come back with some information. And then they come back with some like weird sketchy shit like, oh, I remember we need to go back to this crime scene one more time. And then they find like this hair and they're like, oh, this broke the case. And the prosecutor's like, yeah. And then it's just like, but don't you see that they're programming you to realize that the prosecutors and the cops work fucking together. So when the cops fuck up, the prosecutor is not going to fuck up their dude because if they do, their whole career is fucked up because they got to work with the cops in order to get the other shit that they need to do done. So, look, you are going to be okay. I'm going to let you slide because at the end of the day, we know who the bad guys are. It's the guys that we don't provide an education for, that we don't allow to get jobs, that we sector off in parts of the city that have no um, uh, local government municipalities, that have a heavy police presence so we can do the things that need to be done and and have no one say anything about it because you're just black people. Cleveland is a trap. It is a trap. And and I I wish I'm I'm going to go back one day when I'm smoked up one day, so I'm I'm not going to do it uh, now because it was so long ago. But I'm going to go back and I'm going to find this conversation that I had with a city of Cleveland police officer about how he agreed with me and even went on to continue to explain how Cleveland is set up as a trap. It is set up as a trap. And the more, and and I feel bad because we are in the heart of it, but the more that it gets gentrified, the worse that it's becoming. The worse it's becoming. And you want to talk about, you know, how, how people view black people and kids and stuff like that? Like, you gotta keep in mind that, like, We live right near, like, I can walk 30 minutes from here and be at Quicken Loans Arena. Walk 30 minutes. So that's a two-minute drive, 10-minute bike ride, if that, to Quicken Loans Arena. That's how close I am. I I I could right now walk seven minutes away and gauge what the city is feeling like right now. I can go to the drinking district. I'm right there. I'm right there. Let me tell you, the rent is too damn high. The reason why we have a good deal that we have right now is our landlord is a family friend of Molly's. And 
granted the rent costs as that much here because this is a very small apartment um everywhere else surrounding is almost california prices granted they're big houses they're re renovated all this stuff like that but it's 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 gentrification it's, it's detroit it's san francisco it's parts of new york it's it's the shit that you hear about go look up gentrification that is happening right in the middle of where i am right now so what do you think that's happening right on the outside a couple blocks down from where i'm at what, what do you think is happening the rent is going up jobs aren't better black unemployment is really high in the city of cleveland Jobs aren't getting better. So what the fuck do you think these young kids are gonna do out here to these rich white motherfuckers out here just rolling around with their Audis and their Benzes and their and their plaid and their hipster glasses and their you know nice little um um leather boots? They're gonna rob the fuck out of you. And you know Molly's been a part of this Ohio City police watch thing, which is hilarious to me because. You can just see how scared they are. They're so scared. They're so afraid. They're so, there's a, there's a bit of noise. Did you, did you guys hear that noise? It was glass breaking. That's literally what they do. I'm not exaggerating. Um, they love to chronicle how they've been robbed. Like it's, it's like that's, that's, that's earning a stripe in this group. It's not, you know, oh, I'm so worried about my property. It's, hey, did you guys know that I got robbed today by these two black guys? I mean, it's not like that. I'm exaggerating now. But, but if you were to look at this, this is what they're doing. But, and they're not understanding that their presence and their, their, the, the city and the, the, the real estate agents and the landlords, you know, driving the rents up or driving the rents up all across down the block. And it's happening on, it's happening on two fronts. You have Rocky River, which is the the outskirts, outskirts, outskirts of Lakewood, which is technically Cleveland. And then you have Ohio City, which is right near downtown, where near the West Side Market, by the, uh, the, uh, the Carnegie Bridge, which right after you get to the Carnegie Bridge is Progressive Field and Quicken Loans Arena. So that's downtown. So you have Ohio City on one side, Rocky River on the other side, and then it's slowly converging. And it's making things get worse and worse and worse for the people whose situations are not and have not been changing. What do you expect these kids to do? And the Cleveland public school system? Don't even get me started, and I won't stop. But it's fucking atrocious. No funding, closing schools, merging schools, no books. Uh, you can. There's a difference. Then you got the white trash kids mixing with the black kids and the babies and the fucking and the, the ignorance and the, the fights and the... Oh, I don't know what to do. I, I like, I, I need, I need to have a superpower because I, 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 I have to end this. I wish that I could go into my lab base, my basement lab and create an Iron Man suit of armor and really be the black Tony Stark and, and, and really fight the good fight because I want to cry and I've, I've been crying and I've been mad and I've been sad and I've been frustrated and I've been angry and, and I, I don't know what to do anymore. I just, I just want things to be better. And the only thing that I can see that can, positive, can positively change things is a joke of a revolution, but it's not a joke. It's serious. We're at a breaking point and, you know, I'm not sure what's going to come of it. We've seen what 
what America does when black people come together and unify, even peacefully. Um, that history is watered down. I've been trying to watch the uh, Louis Farrakhan Breakfast Club interview because I fucking can't stand the The Breakfast Club is my my Kardashian show. Like I fucking hate them, but I, I always tune in whenever I can because I just want I just want to see them say stupid shit. I hate Charlemagne. I just want to choke his fucking big black face. I just want to punch him in his fat ass nose. I hate that nigga. Because he, he's, 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 he's a paid troll. His, his job is to be ignorant. And it's sad. Um, but I, I tried to watch that interview, and, and, and Louis Farrakhan believes that, um, you know, this generation is the generation that's just not going to give a fuck. We're not wise, and we need leadership, which is true. Which is very, very true. We are not wise at all. We are, we are, we are not a very heady group of young individuals. But we don't give a fuck, and we are tired, and we want to live, and we want to eat, and we want to fuck, and we want to party, and we want to uh, uh, dress nice, and we want to be treated the same, and we want to have jobs, and we want to work, and we want to learn. We can't do that, because as soon as we do, chitty chitty bang bang. Thank you, sir. Um, you can find us on the apps, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podomatic, TuneIn Radio, and we have a uh, very good friend of our, our very good friends of ours who manage an online radio show. I'm sorry, online radio station, um, Axiom or Axiom Live. AxiomAmnesia.com. You can check us out on the Axiom Live app. Um, you can check us out on social media, facebook.com slash the Pennyman Doctrine. Um, check me out on Twitter at TPD Podcast. It's me. I am Molly of TPD. Um, you can email us, the Pennyman Doctrine at gmail.com. Right now, well, actually, ongoing um, until further notice, we are trying to make moves in this podcast game because I'm sick of seeing. Um, people getting paid for dumb shit, and I'm not talking about some uh, uh, some some comrades of ours. Uh, so there's no shade there, but there's some people that do dumb shit and get paid for it um, just because they're associated with a group that I don't want to be associated with. Um, so Molly and I feel that it is now the time, almost two years deep into this podcast game, consistently that we get paid. Um, to get the things that we need in order to do the things that we need to do in order to be the places that we need to be in order to get the stories and the situations heard. So right now we have a GoFundMe. Um, it is GoFundMe.com slash TPD Salary Fund. Um, or you can check out the thepennymandoctrine.blogspot.com. On the right-hand side, you will see our, um, uh, you know, goal widget that we have on there and you can click that you can donate to us you can, um I, i've been having trouble searching for us on um gofundme and honestly i don't know if gofundme.com slash tpd fund is working uh salary fund is working so just go to the pennyman um 
and click on that link there and uh, please donate. Uh, what we're what we're what we're doing is we're asking for a two hundred dollar salary, a hundred dollars for each of us, which gets taxed. So we're not even gonna, or uh, not taxed, but but feed. So we're not even gonna get all the two hundred dollars, um, and that's fine with us. But we just want to see it work and, and happen on a consistent basis, so we can get the equipment that we need in order to provide better content and then as we provide better content be able to provide extra content and then while we're able to provide extra content be able to reach places where people are wanting us to go um we have a uh some great benefactors at netrootsradio.com which we are um uh very appreciative and thankful to have that really want us at netroots ration netroots nation that really talk about how there needs to be more black uh, voices at Netroots Nation. Um, the only one that they really have, honestly, right now, is uh, This Week in Blackness, who can, consist- who can consistently get to Netroots Nation and can, on the drop of a hat, get to a Ferguson, get to a Baltimore. They didn't really come out to Cleveland. That's fine. We took care of that for them. But, uh, you know, we definitely want to do those things because, you know, um, our voice... All these different perspectives need to be heard. Um, And the only way that we are honestly going to be able to do that right now, based off of the way um, our uh, checking and savings accounts are set up, is, um, you know, we need your help. Uh, So, you know, as as I kid and throw some Kevin Hart jokes in there, um, we really appreciate uh, you, Rashani, for having us on. We really appreciate the Black Pack for being the Black Pack. And, you know, um, I've I've even thought that I, and I haven't really been, um, this is a side note, I haven't really been, um, you know, throwing out and shouting out the Black Pack as much because at first it sounded a little bit clicky to me, but in hindsight, hearing everyone else shout out the Black Pack and and seeing who who we do have in the Black Pack. These are strong shows that are doing strong numbers, um, are getting some sort of strong engagement, um, and not to throw shade on any other of the any other of the uh, any of the, the other excuse me black podcasts out there. Um, but the Black Pack is a group of, of podcasters that stick together, work together, think together, uh, call each other out, um, build each other up, um, are there when we need it, give advice and things such as that. So it's not so much as 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 we are a group, but we're like a a black uh, a, a black unknown underground chamber of commerce that is banding banding together to make sure that. Um, everybody is, is well kept up. So on, on my end, I will definitely um, be shouting out the Black Pack more. And, um, you know, again, I appreciate you having us on. I know we're late. Um, we are here in the heart of Cleveland, and there is no getting around watching the NBA Finals. Um, we, we have to. So, you know, I, I can be of, I personally, Molly, actually I'll say we, can be of two minds. Um, we can we can do the the brainless, mindless sports thing and be rooting and ha- having Molly sneakily take videos of me celebrating and yelling at the TV and, and being weird. But then at the same time, come back and um, 
talk about some social justice issues and, 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 and black issues that we're having here in the United States of America and be able to separate the two things and, and not be too caught up in, in both. So I, I appreciate you giving us the time. I appreciate you allowing us to be on even though we're late. I appreciate you letting me rant because that's what I do. And uh, I just appreciate you. Um, you uh, are one of my go-to voices of reason um, when I need it. And um, I appreciate you for that. And, and again, allowing me to say what I've said and, and plug what I plug. Simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.